Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning lovely saunterers. We are live and it's a lovely day. We are in Luke chapter 11 today so let's pray lord jesus we love you and we want you to speak to us today we want to open our hearts up to you at the beginning of this day and position ourselves to be in that place where we can be receptive to you and ready to do what you're asking us to do today so come lord help us amen so here we go so we're in uh like i said luke chapter 11 now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had finished one of his one of his disciples came said to him Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples good morning Alison and he said to them when you pray say father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now this is a shorter version than some of the Gospels include. And it's there's, there's always this slight variation across translations, how people render it. But the point is the same. Good morning, Deepak. So the disciples have obviously become used to Jesus praying. They've begun to associate his power and the unusualness of the way he operates with his secret life of prayer and he's like come on then the disciples are like come on then Jesus John taught his disciples how to pray teach us and so Jesus gives them this little snapshot of prayer of a model of prayer it's not like the only prayer it's a good one to pray but it's not the only one we should pray and I'm sure it's not more holy than another prayer but The point is this, that we're addressing God the Father. We're addressing our Father. Jesus really embodies that relationship of the Son in relationship with the Father. And he he has spoken to the disciples about my Father and your Father. And so he's included them in that equation. He's saying this Father in heaven is your Father, our Father, and um, my Father. So he's saying... Your name is holy. Your name is special and set apart and unique. And even that relationship of Father that that we have with him is unique. God has many unique names. As we know, looking through the Old Testament, we have all the Hebrew names for God. and But we also have this incredibly precious name for him, which is our Father. So his name is Holy but it's precious, it's set apart, it's special. 
And there's something actually as well beautiful about when we're talking to our dad, our earthly dads, and we have a good relationship with them, and we just say, oh, dad. And there's something so beautiful, and it's so lovely as a dad to hear our kids talking to us and in that intimate way and saying, dad, blah, blah, blah. So we're approaching our father. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. He's saying, come on, this is what it's all about. We want your kingdom to come on the earth. Jesus lived demonstrating the kingdom. He then told his disciples to go on and preach the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrate it with signs and wonders and all those unusual manifestations of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, right, this is your prayer. Your prayer is your kingdom come. And then verse three is so interesting because it's so practical. He says, give us today our daily bread. It's like acknowledging that the bread we eat and the the food that sustains us is actually from God himself. And so we may not think so much about eating daily bread now in our multi-varied diet and so on um, where we live, but there is something that sustains us day by day by day in the form of food of some form or another. And he's just saying, look, we need to recognize this comes from God. It's His, it's him who gives us the strength to go to work and earn the money. And, and it's him that controls the weather and all the rest of it. And although we may be able to influence it, it seems, by climate change and so on we don't control it and that's a really important thing and so it's God's provision and he's saying right give us today the needs we have today Lord we entrust them into your hands good morning um, Mishi and uh, then forgive us our sins as we for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and this is an interesting way of rendering it we are used to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and there is this link and Jesus um, illustrates it in one of his teachings he teaches a parable doesn't he and he talks about forgiveness and he says actually your forgiveness is is kind of threatened by walking around in unforgiveness enjoying God's forgiveness is real and possible when we continue to walk in forgiveness and forgive the people around us but when we having been forgiven start to hold other people's sins against them then it becomes difficult for us and we stop enjoying God's forgiveness and we stop enjoying God's grace and we come in back into this sense of judgment and so on so he's saying right forgive us our sins as we for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us so we're going to receive grace and forgiveness from you god but we're going to go out and replicate that where we go we're going to be like you in our generous forgiveness of other people and lead us not into temptation don't let us kind of somehow protect us from those situations where temptation is going to come on us now we can also protect ourselves we know that but this is a good prayer and he says right this is this is a good way to pray when you pray say these things and so some people have patterned their whole devotional life their whole relationship with God in prayer on the Lord's prayer we call it the Lord's prayer and it's it's great there's all kinds of ways we can use that as a launch pad for our own prayer life
verse 5. And he said to them, which of you has a friend? So he's still talking about prayer. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. Now, quite likely they were all together sleeping in the same bed. That isn't that wasn't unusual in history certainly in britain in the cold winter months everyone would sleep in the same bed it was quite common to share anyway but he's saying don't bother me the door is now shut my children are with me in bed i cannot get up and give you anything i tell you um though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his impudence or persistence it says in the margin um, he will get up, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. To the one who knocks it will be opened. Then let's just pause for a second. So he tells his story of, about a guy, he's gone to bed and he's got his all his animals in maybe downstairs and he's crawled into his bed with his wife and kids are all asleep and it's all dark the house is peaceful and the animals are quietly chewing downstairs and they're up on the loft sleeping or whatever however they arranged it and then the door is someone's at the door bang 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 oh Neighbour, neighbour, I need some bread, I need some bread, can you lend me some bread? I promise I'll pay you back, I've got a friend who's just come on a long journey, he's so hungry, it's rude, I need to put some food in front of him, he's gonna, you know, he's famished, this is our culture, this is our common courtesy we offer to each other, and the, the neighbour's like, shut up, I'm in bed, but then, I'm not your friend right now, I'm asleep, and uh, then... Um, Jesus says, but actually it's not so much the friendship that will make him get up in the end. It's the fact that the guy will not stop banging on the door and won't just go away. And he's kind of painting a picture and he's saying there needs to be some kind of perseverance and some persistence in your prayer life. Don't just take a silent response from God as his final answer, which is really interesting. And then he goes on to say about knocking the door be open, seek and you'll find. And it's this kind of hunger and thirsting after righteousness. It's going after God with some degree of determination. And I do think many people get put off because they have a few answers to prayer and then they find, actually, do you know what? It just seems to be harder now. And I don't know why God's not listening to me. He seems to have backed off and I've prayed for stuff and it hasn't happened. And, um, in, and we start to get a bit disheartened. But actually, Jesus is saying, seek, you'll find. Knock and it will be open to you. And um, ask and it will be given to you. So he's saying, right, just keep going. Bang on the door a bit more. But then he says, what father among you? This is the context for this. What father among you, if he asks for it, is if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
Now, we we were thinking more in a general sense, weren't we, about prayer being more of a general thing. But this is, he's saying, actually, God the Father, he wants to give you good gifts. He wants to give you good gifts more than you could want to give those gifts to your children even more than that instinct in every human father is there to give good gifts to their kids he's saying this is what your father in heaven is like but actually he's got an even better gift he wants to give you it's the holy spirit and he will give the holy spirit to those who ask him and he loves to do that he's so there's an expression isn't there about leaning on an open door when we come to god he is predisposed to hear us he wants to respond to us he wants to give to us all the good gifts that a father would give to a child the only reason he may hold back is if they if he has a better purpose in holding back and teaching us some kind of diligence and some kind of persistence and build character in us build a bit of grit into us verse 14 now he was casting out a demon that was mute when the demon had gone out the mute man spoke and the people marveled but some of them said he casts out demons by Beelzebul the prince of Bel yeah Beelzebul the prince of demons while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven but he knowing their thoughts said to them every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a household divided falls and if satan also is divided against himself how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But, and here's the big but, for if, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So let's just pause there a second. We've, talked quite a bit about demons in this little journey through the book of Luke and Luke is a doctor he's a scientific man but he accepts that demons are a thing that they are a present um, phenomenon that's in the world these spiritual beings that have a um, good morning Paul and good morning Kaz nice to see you um, that they have an influence over people's lives. And this particular one was keeping a man from speaking. He, he had made him mute. So Jesus cast a demon out. And now they're questioning where his kind of power to do this comes from. And do you know what? I've heard even well-meaning Christians talking about the more supernatural um, kind of demonstrations of the Holy Spirit as if, this is something the devil must be doing or this must be an occult power you know like witchcraft or something making these things happen or um i've heard people say you know when people fall over it's hypnotism and you kind of think why would you want to believe the worst when it's in the context of loving god honoring him and prayer to jesus and honoring the father why would you then assume that any miracles coming out of that are to do with the dark side and to do with the occult uh, it's just beyond me but they want to find something wrong with jesus and so they're saying yeah he's got this power because he's teamed up with beelzebul and so the beelzebul can spare a few demons he can let them go from a person but actually jesus is working with the devil <laughs> indeed 
And then another bunch of them are saying, we want to see a sign, we want to see a sign that you're really the Messiah, and all this kind of stuff. Oh my. And so Jesus makes this great statement. He says, listen, a kingdom divided against itself won't stand. So why would Satan do that? Why would the prince of darkness cast out his own demons? That's stupid. But he also does then go on to say, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then you know that the kingdom of heaven has come to you. You know this is a demonstration of the power of God. You are. You need to wake up, pay heed to what's going on here. And so then he talks about, he says, when a strong man, fully armed, um, so hold on just one second as well, there was um, some practice going on amongst the um, Jewish people of the time, where they did cast out demons and they did have their own methodology. They weren't very good at it, but it did still happen as part of kind of ministry within the synagogue or within the Jewish kind of culture. Um, and so he's saying, well, if I'm doing it by the devil, who are these guys doing it by then? Anyway, so then he gives us a bit of insight into what's going on. He says, when a strong man, verse 21, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armour in which he trusted and divides the spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever, whoever does not gather with me scatters. Verse 24, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. This is really interesting. So Jesus is saying um, that when a, a demonic strong man, if you like, a demonic personality with power and influence, guards his own palace, he, he can keep... Um, he can maintain his position in that place, in that person's life. But actually, there's somebody stronger coming right now, and he's challenging that, and he's throwing the strong man out so that he can go in and, he says, plunder the goods or take away his goods and overcome him, divide the spoil, that kind of thing. And he's saying, actually, this is precisely what's happening here. This is what you see now. Someone stronger than these demons, stronger than the Prince of Darkness, is invading their territory and releasing the captive souls who have been controlled by these horrible, evil things. So he says, this is what is going on. And then he says, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And I think he's just challenging their attitude and saying, listen, guys, you are disrupting the work of God you're actually going right against what God is doing through me back off you are part of you're working for the enemy really anyway this this thing about the unclean spirit leaving a person and then thinking oh I might go back there what I think Jesus is really saying is that we need to understand that um when somebody has been set free from a demonic spirit that and the, that kind of control they need to be filled again with the spirit of god they need something <coughs> positive to fill that void that was in their life they need something good 
to create positive pressure in, in a sense, fill up with a positive pressure that pushes out any um, chancers in the demonic realm who might think, oh, I'll come back, been here before. Verse 27, and as he said these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So this lady is saying, oh, your mum, she's just must be so amazing and so blessed and so happy because to have a son like you, that must be an absolute joy. Nice thing to say. Jesus is actually very focused right now and he's saying, do you know what? It's even more blessed. It's even more happy the person who takes my words and or takes the word of God and keeps it. You know, so yes, my mum is blessed, of course. And but the you and she's happy, she's enjoying God's favour, but you will be happy. You will enjoy God's favour if you get on with his word and keep it. Verse twenty nine When the crowds were increasing he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to, his, to, his, to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So he's saying, you want a sign, this is going to be the sign, and the Son of Man is going to be, a, so he's talking about himself, he's saying, I'm the sign, right? Jonah was the sign to the people of Nineveh, Old Testament story, Jonah, the one gets swallowed by a whale, the whale regurgitates him onto the beach, and Jonah goes off and preaches to them, and his whole life is a sign to that that people that he's gone to talk to that God actually is the God of the second chance. God gives Jonah a second chance. The whale spits him out. Jonah goes and delivers his message with a grumpy attitude, but he does it nonetheless. And he's a sign. And Jesus said, listen, I'm the sign. Good morning, Wills. He says, I'm the sign to this generation. You want a sign? I am it. And actually, we know that Jesus was a kind of prophetic fulfillment of Jonah's life being in the whale was like being in the tomb like Jesus being in the tomb and on the third day he rises again um, it's like it's a prophetic picture although it's a real story it's a prophetic picture but he's saying actually do you know what the people of Nineveh did better than you guys are doing because they actually repented when Jonah showed up and there are other people in the Bible who got in trouble with God, but actually they're going to do better on the last day when God judges the earth than you guys, because you've got me here in person and you still want to fight with me. You want to argue the toss about everything. You can't hear what I'm saying. You've got hard hearts. And so Jesus is like kind of rebuking them. Verse 33 says, No one after lighting a lamp puts it, in a cellar or under a basket but on a stand so that those who enter it may see the light your eye is the lamp of your body when your eye is healthy your whole body is full of light but when it's bad 
your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no dark part, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Now Jesus is taking this old-fashioned idea. Good morning, Buff, and good morning, Pat and Mike. He's taking this old-fashioned idea that the eye is like the lamp that illuminates your whole body and, and that's absolutely right we have a little hole in the front of our eye called a pupil and the light comes in and hits the back of the retina and that's what enables us to see and when it's dark because there's not much light we can't see very much and so we trip over and all the rest of it and he's saying there is a there's a, if you light in a lamp we want it on a stand doing its job and he says, this is me. I'm this lamp right now. But he says, this is... And then he, there's a whole other teaching on this that Jesus does with his disciples. And he tells them, they're the light of the world and so on. But right now he's talking about our eyes. And he's saying, what is coming into you? What are you... You know, you're the eye of your body. He's saying, this is a metaphor for your spiritual eyes and Paul the apostle says in Ephesians chapter 1 he says I pray that the eyes of your heart will be opened so that you can see and he talks about what they can see the riches of you of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for those who believe so Paul is saying you do have spiritual eyes you need those eyes opened so that you can see the truth, you can see where you are, so you can navigate, so you can not trip over. If your eyes are open and they're looking at the lamp that's on a stand that is Jesus, or they're in, illuminated by the light of Jesus, then you'll be able to see where to go, you'll be able to make good decisions, and so on and so on and so on. And he's saying, listen, this is <laughs> this is really, really important. But it's really interesting. He says, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. We could say so much about this. But I think we live in a day where we are bombarded with so much visual information. And so much visual stimulus. In lots of ways, because I'm a visual person, I love it. I love the creativity of people. I love what I see people the things people created, the movies, the um, computer graphics, the, the inventions, the cars and houses and all these things. I love it. I love to see the creativity. Um, but we can take into our eyes very, very unwholesome images, can't we? And it's never been easier to onboard imagery that is so destructive and it sets our whole course of our body, our mind on a destructive path and so just what we take on board visually is really really important what we spend our time looking at is really important we talked about Jesus that he was praying and his whole countenance was changed Paul says that as we behold him we're changed into his likeness with ever increasing glory and so let us gaze on him let us fill our eyes feast our eyes on him the eyes of our spirit let's let's guard these physical eyes as well so that we're not feeding our minds with stuff that we're going to have to spend the whole day trying to purge from our brain 
Let us let our minds be fed by beautiful things and things that bring glory to Jesus. But let let our inner eyes be constantly reflecting on Him. I've run out of time. Have an amazing day, you guys. I'm not here tomorrow, so we'll be back. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page and my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.